right into worship today. So everybody jump up on your feet, please, and let's worship Jesus together. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he was born of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered, died, and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in fulfillment of the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Search the world, but it couldn't fill me. And man's empty praise treasures the faith, but never enough. And you came along. i 
Hallelujah.
highest stripes We are here By His nail-pierced By his blood, we're washed clean.
Jesus.
Turn me around, you place my feet on solid ground. 
don't we? Even if it's just that, that we have been saved from eternal death, we have a ton to be thankful for. Thank you, Father, for you are so, so good. Well, we are so glad to have you here in Urbana at Only Believe. If you're new, we would love for you to grab one of these Get to Know You cards. They're located right in front. Go around and greet some of your family of faith this morning.
All right, well, good morning, everybody. I'm glad you are with us today and on this uh, wonderful 4th of July weekend. Amen. And how many of y'all have off work tomorrow, too? Anybody? Oh, that's nice. How many of y'all are retired? You don't work at all. Okay. Blessings on you. Anyhow, um, <laughs> uh, in just a few moments, we're going to take a moment of, of prayer to pray for our nation, as it being 4th of July. But uh, before we get into all that, let's take up tithe and offerings. So if you have something to give, uh, you can prepare that. If you need an offering envelope in the chair in front of you or uh, wave your hand around and one of the ushers will help you out. And uh, we are just... Uh, um, so thankful just not only as a nation but as individuals that God has blessed us and um, that we live in his blessing and, and I don't know uh, how things would be without God if we're left to our own devices we're ultimately in trouble and, and, and we acknowledge God as our provider and we do it in so many different ways our, just our thankfulness our worship as we were just doing but also in our giving that we acknowledge that he is God and he is our provider. You know, every time we worship, it's the practice of reminding ourselves that we're not God, right? That we worship something other, right? And every time we give, we acknowledge that he is our provider. Amen? So, Lord, we thank you for an opportunity to give today as we continue uh, in our worship. And we thank you so much for simply the provision of our life. This day, our daily bread and everything above and beyond, that's so much that, that we are able to, to give as you lead us to give. And I, I praise you today and worship you in that you are our provider. And we do it all in, in your name, in Jesus' name. Everybody says, amen. Bring it on down if you have something today. A couple uh, quick announcements. As we're heading into July, uh, July the 25th, which I believe is the last Sunday of this month, we have our next uh, round of water baptism. So that's happening right out front, and, and it'll be right after church. So uh, if you have not ever been water baptized, you made a confession of Jesus as your Savior, but you've never been water baptized, the following through of the commands of Jesus, and there's so many different things involved with water baptism. But if you've never been water baptized, you can sign up at the back table, and uh, we'll hook you up. So on the 25th, what will happen right after church, I'll meet with everybody that's being baptized just for a few moments, and we'll go right out front and take care of it. Also, uh, I see the, for the guys, the top golf sign-up is, is getting pretty full. Um, how about this? We'll just say this. Next Sunday, where's Mike and... Uh, I know you won't be here, but next Sunday we'll throw out a date or so about when that'll happen and start uh, getting that in motion. Also, uh, don't forget, July the 18th, that's two weeks from today, I believe, at 6 p.m., we have our, our church dedication service. We hope everybody's out. Bring somebody with you. Uh, somebody asked me this morning, uh, yes, we are having our normal 10 a.m., okay, obviously, and then we'll come back at 6 o'clock for the dedication service. Uh, today, after church, uh, we're going to get with uh, Al and uh, uh, Rick because of just maybe some more people coming in. We'll talk about how we'll deal with the parking, and, and we want to have a, a great uh, group of greeters welcoming everybody come in for that. So anyways, uh, don't forget that, and it's going to be a good time. There'll be some refreshments and all that, so uh, be here for that. And, and we just got out of our week of vacation Bible school. It was good, yeah, and the building's still intact. Um, 
I think all of our helpers are still alive, so we survived. But we did three nights, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, of vacation Bible school and had uh, well over 30 kids come out. Uh, and, and total kids, different kids that came, there were over 40 kids that attended our Bible school. That's really awesome. So uh, for those of you guys that helped so much, we thank you for that. And it was a great time and certainly looking forward to um, next year. So, but having said that, then uh, this coming weekend, uh, is uh, they're beginning the youth summer camp, so uh, some of our junior hires are heading over uh, to youth camp. So pray for them this weekend as they're heading over to Botkins for that. And I'll be there speaking at that one night. I think it's this Saturday I'm doing that. So pray for, for some of our junior hires. That's an impactful time at camp uh, this coming weekend. So having said all that, we just want to take a time. It's 4th of July, and how many are thankful to live in this, in our great nation, and I, I know we all are, and at, you know, um, our nation is not perfect, but we consider it the best you can be in, right? That's just our, our pride in our nation, and, 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 and to be uh, patriotic is a good thing, but at the same time, we want to continue to pray for our nation, amen, and that God uh, does what he wants to do. His kingdom come, his will be done. And we want that not in, in all the entire world, but uh, certainly we should be praying for our nation. So I'm going to have some, I didn't pose this to anybody beforehand, but I'm going to have some people come help me pray. And we're going to pray over some uh, different things. So uh, Judah, I'm going to put him on the spot. If you come down, I'm going to have Judah pray that we have, we simply, and this is the most important thing, that we see a revival in our nation and we see people come to know Jesus. Amen. All right, so Jude's going to do that. Tom, if you, could I have you come? I'm going to have Tom pray for this prosperity of our nation. And, and by the way, when, whenever, now, now see, everybody needs to hear my, per, I give you a perspective, is that we want our nation to be, to, to be great, right? How I many want that? But then you look at what the Bible's definition of great is, then you go, oh, Okay. And, and great, to be great means to, to, to serve. Isn't that what Jesus said? Anybody who wants to be great among you must, must be the least, right? So we can pray that our nation is great, but it should be for a reason other than, hey, we're great. It should be for a reason, right? And, and if we pray for the prosperity of our nation, but we pray that it's because uh, not only for the prosperity of our people, but we're a light in the world to be able to serve others, Correct. So we'll have Tom pray for the prosperity of that. Um, let's see. Uh, uh, well, maybe put somebody way on the spot here. Everybody kind of looking down. Nobody wants to wants to be called on. Uh, I'm gonna ask Christine to come because Christine's one of our, our prayer intercessors, and I'm just gonna have Christine pray for our government, our leaders, and that we see revival in our government too. And then our leaders lead with wisdom. So, so we're talking all the way up to the presidency, down through our local governments. And I'm going I'm to close out with praying for unity in our nation. Okay? So we'll, we'll go in that order. So let's all stand up. Let's all stand up again. Let's, let's pray for our nation. I know there's a lot more things we could pray about, but those are just th four things that I wanted to touch on today. So, Judah, we'll start with you. Amen. That you bless this nation. Lord, we pray for revival in the church. We pray that the Holy Ghost comes 
and mm-hmm. fills up the church and this nation with your glory, God, that we would follow after you and have a, such a hunger after you that the church Amen. would wake up, Lord, that the sinners that haven't met you would wake up, God, that that stronghold Amen. that they've been kept down with, that, that you would be a chain breaker and come and revive this nation, Lord. We pray for a massive move of your Holy Ghost within the church and upon those that don't know you, Lord, so that they might believe. We pray that you add to your church every day, to add to your kingdom every day, God. We're looking for miracles. We're looking for signs and wonders that change lives, God. We're looking for words of knowledge that change lives, that speak directly to the hearts of men and women. Things that only you know, God. Things that only can be touched by you. We're asking for revival in this land, God. Forgive us for our sin as a nation and come and revive the church, God. Wake us up for your glory and your kingdom and come soon in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Go ahead, Tom. Jehovah Jireh. Amen. Amen. Come fill us with our prosperity. Mm -hmm. This nation needs prosperity. In Jesus' name. Jesus name. I just, I just pray, Lord, that, that you heal our land. You heal us as a nation. 
And Lord, Lord, it seems like asking something like that seems like an impossible task, but you're the God of the impossible. And I pray relational divides and racial divides and, and all the things that seem to, to bubble up and, and, and it's just a harsh rhetoric and all the things that happen, Lord, that we are able to come together in you and be healed by you. And you bring us together as a people in unity that we're going forward together in a way that honors you and glorifies you and is for you. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. And we all say amen. amen, amen. Well, thank you. Thank you, guys. Everybody, you can grab your seat again. By the way, I hope you have a good time celebrating today. If you're shooting off fireworks, please come back with all your fingers next week. Um, be careful. And, but have fun and, and enjoy whatever you're, you're heading out to do. So uh, if you've got your Bibles, jump into Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 1. We're going to start a series over the next four weeks or so, maybe five weeks on Faith. Now, uh, by the way, this kind of dovetails right into, we've been doing a series on Wednesday nights called Dealing with Struggle. We're going to be back to it this Wednesday. So this Wednesday, uh, Dealing with Struggle, we're going to talk about dealing with doubt. How many ever had times of doubt? Let me see. Okay, we're going to talk about dealing with doubt on Wednesday. So it kind of flows into a series on faith. Let's talk about faith. And um, you ever hear somebody say, well, have faith? You ever hear somebody say that? You're going through something, or they say, well, just have faith. Well, that's nice. It, it turns into a nice Christian cliche something. We'll just have faith. And uh, by the way, let's just say this. In, in response to that, I hear somebody say that. I say, well, have faith in what? That's sort of important. It's not like you have Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and faith. It's a new addition to the Trinity. It's not, not something in and of itself, but it's, it's to something, Right? So we're going to talk about faith. Yes, we shouldn't have faith, but faith in what is important. So Hebrews chapter 11, and we're, we're going to bounce around the, the Bible just a little bit today and uh, kind of get a foundation on faith. But I want to talk to you today about what great faith is. Hebrews 11, verse number 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people old received their commendation. In other words, when you go through Hebrews chapter 11, it's like the great hall of faith, and it kind of recaps back into some of the characters of the Old Testament and how uh, their faith was what was commendable before God. So faith is being sure of what we hope for. It, it believes in the things, it grabs hold of the things that you do not see. Amen. Faith is, if you want to put a, a little bit of definition to that, faith is active belief. Faith brings a connotation of trust. So I am sure of the things that I hope for. I actively believe in them. I grab hold of what I do not see. I trust that it is there. It's going to happen. So, okay, so here's a simple uh, question. How many of y'all believe your sins are forgiven? Well, how do you know? Because you ask. But what did you ask in? Faith. But where's the evidence of it? Well, the evidence is, is that life is starting to change, right? But, but there is not like this, this necessary, this concrete, visible evidence of it necessarily. But you believe that something has happened, right? 
How many of y'all believe there's a heaven? Have you been there? No. Well, maybe you have. I don't know. I haven't. Okay. But do I believe in it? Yep. Why? I, I believe in it in faith. Do I believe there's a new heaven and new earth coming? Yep. Well, what is that? Well, it's faith. I actively believe I trust in something that I have not seen, in something that I hope for, right? So faith, faith is what the ancients were commended for. So if you go back and you, you, you take a stroll through the Old Testament, I hope you do, I hope you read your Bible, and, and don't be a New Testament reader only, all right? Read, read the whole thing, there's the whole counsel of God, we see the Old Testament is written in a way that kind of leans into the coming of Jesus, okay? And it takes us to Jesus. And, and those that were following God or believed in God, uh, they were commended for their faith. Now, if you read the Old Testament, there's all sorts of covenants and thing, things that, that God called them to do, all the actions of their life, all these different things. But, but the writer of Hebrews is saying in the midst of all that stuff, what they were commended for was their faith, right? But it was in by faith that they did all the things that they did. So, so when Abram was called and God said, go to another place, and then, then he didn't really lay out much for him other than saying go, right? What did Abram do? He went. Why? Because he believed and he trusted that what God was telling him was going to be and turn out okay. That, that's, so he's the father of faith. He took this blind step of just following God and going somewhere. Believed in what he could not see. He grabbed hold of what he hoped for. So faith is this act of belief. It is trust. But where does faith come from? Let, let's go to, um, we're going to jump around a little bit today. Romans chapter 10. Just lay a little bit of a foundation that then we'll get into a story about great faith. Romans chapter 10. And we're going to start in, let's see, verse 14. Romans 10, 14. It says, How then will they call on him and him who they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard or never heard? And how are they to hear without somebody preaching? What's this, what's this talking about? The gospel, right? It's talking about the gospel going forth. Verse 15. And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Amen. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, the Lord, uh, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? Verse 17. Here it is. So faith comes by hearing. And hearing through the word of Christ. Now, now, some translations have the word of God there. But in its context, this is talking about the gospel. Faith is born in each one of us when we respond to the gospel. We hear the good news of Jesus. And we have a response to it, and that response is faith. We begin to what? Believe. And in that, we trust. So faith is born in us in response to what God is doing. So if you go back to the Old Testament uh, before Jesus and, and the actual proclamation of the good news of Jesus, 
those that were responding to God and, and were commended for their faith were simply responding to what God was doing, to what he was saying, and to his revelation. So in other words, anybody that has faith, it's always a response to something God is up to. Without God being up to something, you would have no faith. The Bible says that Jesus is the author. Well, he, he is the author. He's the beginning of our faith, right? And he is then the perfecter or the finishing of our faith. So faith is believing in something. It's active belief. It's trust. And it's born in us because we respond to something God is up to. Amen. So, in other words, faith is a connector. It's an avenue to God and what he's doing. So have faith, what, in him? Have faith in what? His word. Have faith in what he said to you. So yes, we must have faith, but we have faith in something. In other words, we have faith as a response to God. So all faith is rooted in something God is up to. That's important. Faith is not rooted in what you want to happen. Faith is not rooted in something you just want to kind of make up and, and live life as. No, faith is always a response to something God is up to. So we have faith. Now, we are, are, are uh, committed and, and commended in Romans 1.17. It says, the righteous, how many of y'all are righteous? Everybody here. You. The righteous live by what? Faith. faith. The righteous don't live by our logic, although logic can be good at times. The righteous don't ultimately live by their reasoning, although reasoning is good for things, right? The, the righteous don't always live by the plans that you come up with, although some of your plans are okay, right? The righteous ultimately live by faith. Because what God does is he's always in front of us taking us somewhere, and faith is the connector to stay with him. What is he up to? I have faith in it. And I stay with him because I believe and I trust, right? The Bible also says that uh, uh, we live by what? We live by faith and not by what? By our sight. In other words, we live beyond our understanding at times. You ever notice that when, when you're in the Bible and you read something, you go, wow, okay. That's some big stuff right there. And you necessarily can't not always comprehend it in your mind. That at times living the Christian life is living beyond your understanding. So in other words, I believe, as scripture says, that our bodies are going to be made new. We're going to be resurrected. I mean, believe that. Now, I don't know exactly. I can't understand it in my mind how it's going to happen or exactly what it's going to be like. It's a little bit beyond my comprehending, but I have faith in it. We have faith in things beyond our comprehending. I don't always understand by giving tithe that it connects to God's blessing. I don't understand how he works all that stuff out, because all I know is giving 10% of my income can be a lot, especially when times are tight. But I, I, I live in faith, and I give and I just trust that God works beyond my understanding for my provision. There, there's all sorts of things that we live in as Christians that don't make sense to people who don't believe. 
because we believe, and in our belief, we trust. So we live by faith and not by sight. And everybody says amen to that. Amen. So let's go to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. We're going we're to read about great faith today. So faith is active belief. It's trust. It's born in us in response to what God is up to. We live by it. It is our connector to God. Matthew chapter 8 and verse number 5. It says, and when he, and that's Jesus, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, appealing to him. Now, now uh, a centurion uh, was somebody who's overseeing a group of soldiers, maybe about 100 men. Now, you have to think about this situation. A centurion was a Roman. He was a Gentile. As a matter of fact, not only was he a Roman and a Gentile, but he was part of the occupying force of Israel. He was overseeing a garrison of soldiers that was helping make sure Roman rule stayed over the nation of Israel. So in other words, he was part of helping oppress the people of Israel. Think about that. So if we were invaded by a country and they conquered us, then they, then they sent soldiers here and set things up to keep their laws and their ways happening here, even if we didn't want it. So this, this was a guy that would be viewed by the, the Israelite people as a bad guy, right? So a centurion came to Jesus, and he appealed to him, verse 6, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, and, and Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Now, again, somebody's paralyzed. How this centurion knew about Jesus, we don't know. It doesn't give us a backstory. If, if he heard about this guy that was going around doing this stuff, maybe he witnessed some things. We don't know his connection to Jesus, but he had a trust that Jesus could do what he was asking him to do. That's faith. Faith is believing something that we believe that Jesus can do because he's up to something. We're responding to who he is. And whatever he saw, whatever he heard, he had a paralyzed servant, and he believed that Jesus could do something about it. Now, again, I don't know about you. I don't comprehend how miracles work. I just believe he does them. I don't know how this paralyzed servant is going to be healed. But the centurion believed in Jesus enough that he thought, if I can just go ask him, he's going to take care of this. Can we just live in that kind of faith? That we just believe and trust him enough that he will respond to what we need, our circumstance, our trial, whatever it is, in belief because God is up to something and I can see that happen in my life and in my world. Amen? So, so he asked Jesus about it and Jesus said, I will come and heal him. Verse 8. But the centurion replied, look, look Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. But only say the word, and my servant will be healed. 
For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me, and I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. So a couple things happening here. A, he had a wonder and reverence for Jesus. You're not even, don't even come to my place. I'm not worthy. So, so he had a reverence for Jesus, and also he had a good understanding of authority. So whatever he saw in Jesus and whatever he heard about him, he's thinking this guy has some sort of authority, and things just work because he says it. Right? Do we live that way? Do, do we live in a respectful wonder and awe for not only who God is but what he's up to? That this is the God of the universe who spoke things in. I mean, he just spoke things, and it comes into existence. Well, if he can do that, my goodness, well, what, what is impossible for him? So we have to live in a place of, 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 again, coming back to this big picture. This is who God is. And have a wonder and an awe and a reverence for it because then anything that God is up to, anything that he says carries the weight that it should. Right? So in our scriptures, we read our scripture, and the Bible says it. It should carry the weight that it should carry because this is the word of the God of the universe. It should carry a weight with us. And then in authority, he, he caught something about Jesus that whatever this guy is up to and whoever exactly he is, things are happening. And they come in a way that, that is backed by something that's super big. In other words, authority. Do we really, really believe that the authority of all things rests with God? And certainly with the ascension of Jesus, as it says in 1 Peter, that all things are under his feet. Therefore, everything that he is up to is backed by the authority that it will happen. You see what I'm saying? This centurion, this Gentile man began to understood this, understand this. And, and, his re, and his interaction with Jesus was guided by it. Everything he was doing with Jesus in this moment was guided by the fact that, my goodness, this guy is something incredible. And he's got some sort of authority that when he does things, it happens. Why in the world can't he heal my paralyzed servant? Right? But you know what faith does? Faith... Faith opens you to God possibilities. What is, what is God up to? God is up to reclaiming this world. He's up to the saving of people, and he's up to writing your life, setting it on the right track and taking it somewhere. And what comes with that is all sorts of different things. And what you have to see in the midst of that, God possibilities are available simply because that's what he's up to. Do you believe? Well, yeah. No, no, no. I'm talking about do you actively believe? And with that, do you trust? Do you trust that his way is the best way? Do you trust that if he says it, it will be? Do you trust him? That's faith. And faith will live in that. And faith will cause you to, to chase through things with him. 
it, and I, brought, I said this a, a few months ago, and when I said it, guys kind of looked at me weird for a second. But it's kind of like if you were in, in, in a formal dance, you know, with your partner. Somebody takes the lead. You know what I'm saying? Faith is God taking the lead in your life in the dance of life. But, but faith is allowing him to take the lead. Faith is following. Right? He's up to something. He's doing something. And faith keeps you connected to what he's up to and allowing him to lead your life. That's what faith does. The response of Jesus and the simplicity of the centurion's belief is this. Verse 10. And when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, Truly I tell you, no one in Israel have I found such faith or great faith. I tell you, many will come from the east and the west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. While the sons of, of the kingdom will be thrown out into outer darkness, and in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion, Jesus said, go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. Great faith. Now, there are some that believe they have faith, but they don't have it. And there's going to be those that believe they're in the kingdom and they, they don't, they, they're cast out because of it. And those that are drawn into the kingdom because of simple belief. What is great faith? Here it is, right here. I'm going to give you a simple definition. How, how many of y'all want great faith? Anybody? Okay, I hope. What is great faith? Great faith is simply believing Jesus at his word. Nothing more, nothing less. I think often we complicate things. You know what I'm talking about? This centurion did not grow up in Judaism, didn't understand all the things that we would consider we find in the Old Testament. His interaction with Jesus, whatever it was, whatever you heard, it just simply responded, if this guy just says it, he didn't even have to come to my house. This is actually the first, what we would consider, long-distance miracle of Jesus. He doesn't even have to come to where this person is. If he just says it, it's going to happen. That's it. Right? If he, he'll just do it. And I simply believe that. And Jesus heard what he was saying and said, I'll tell you, look, everybody listen to me. You're not going to find this in all of Israel. This, this is great faith right here. And, and then... It happened just as the centurion believed it would. Active faith. Great faith is simply believing Jesus had his word. Nothing more and nothing less. Now, faith does grow. Faith is strengthened, right? But I think, I think we make it so hard for ourselves sometimes. I think we've got to get back to this basic faith of simply believing. I don't understand. Okay, believe. It don't make sense. I get it. Believe. I'm not sure how it's possible. That's okay. Believe. Trust. Live in it. Live by it. Don't live by what you see. Don't, don't live by the circumstance. Don't live by the things that, that are hard. Trust. In simple belief, the word that Jesus has said will happen. We believe. Simple trust, right? Isn't that what this is about? Now, again, I think all of us here, most of us here would say you're saved. Well, 
If you, now, now what, by the way, let me just say, what is the greatest miracle of your life? Your salvation. Right? So how many of y'all are saved? You've already seen the greatest miracle of your life. And how'd you do that? You just, you, you, when you got saved, you probably knew nothing. It, how many know what I mean? You got saved, you probably didn't know much about the Bible. You didn't know nothing about living a Christian. You're just responding to this gospel message, however you heard it. The greatest miracle of your life was simply believing and asking for forgiveness. Now, do you believe you're, you're saved? Do you trust that you are? I hope you don't doubt it. Do you trust that you are? Yeah. It happened because it's simply taking Jesus at his word. You took him at his word that he would forgive you of your sins, right? You believe you're forgiven. You took him at, at his word that there is a reward. Some, someday, somehow, there's a reward. You took him at his word. Can we live the rest of our Christian life like that? And don't complicate it? So even something as miraculous as somebody paralyzed being healed, the centurion just took Jesus at his word. If he'll, if he'll just say it, it'll happen. And it did. Don't complicate it. Don't make it hard. Believe. That, that's why I'm talking about Wednesday, talking about doubt sort of important, because in our life of faith, there's going to be moments of doubt. So we'll have to talk about how we deal with this. You know, the Bible uh, at certain times has Jesus kind of chastising disciples for having little faith, right? Now, we're going to go to this verse in a second. He said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, right, then he chastises them sometimes for having little faith. Well, what's the difference? Because a mustard seed is small. What's the difference between faith the size of a mustard seed and little faith? Little faith comes down to being distracted from what God has said and beginning to doubt it. Faith the size of a mustard seed, it's, it, it's faith even if it's small. It believes in trust even if it's small. Let's, let's, let's see, look at that. Matthew, get my verse right here. Matthew chapter 17 and verse number 20. Matthew 17, and, and uh, this is coming on the, um, the heels of a story where, where Jesus healed a, a boy with a demon, um, and, and the disciples uh, struggled with it. And it says, and he said to them, because of your little faith, and why didn't this happen? Because of your little faith, you were distracted from what I told you you could do. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like the grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Whatever God is up to, it's not impossible for you, even if you have faith that's as small. Have, how many have ever seen a, a real live mustard seed? Especially on this carpet right here. If I had one of those in Paul in my hand, and it fell out, on the, we would not find it probably on this carpet. We'd be, all, we'd be searching around for it. it it's little. Now, that, that mustard seed can grow, right? Yeah. But if you start right here in simple mustard seed faith, you can move a mountain. Mm -hmm. Now you say, okay. Okay. Are, are you sure about that? I, do you believe what Jesus said? Or are you going to get all logical and reasonable about everything? Right? Again, we make it too hard sometimes. Just simply believe. 
and live by faith. Don't live by what you see all the time. Live by faith. Live by what God has said. And it's the life he desires. Hebrews 11.6 says, For without faith, it's impossible to please God. It is a life of faith that pleases him. In other words, we live in a life of active belief and trust in who he is and what he says. That pleases him. Now, we would think, well, perfection from sin is what pleases God. Living by faith pleases God. Because living by faith then allows us to grow and change and become what he intends us to be. Right? You don't put the cart before the horse. As a matter of fact, the things that Jesus does in, in, in this, uh, this whole thing is always a pushback against the religious leaders because they thought what pleased God was, was all the rules and the regulations, and if we just stay away from all the sin, God will bless us and he'll return, and all these different things that they thought, but they, they missed it. Living holy is good, but faith life precedes the holiness that we desire and know we should have by living the Christian life. It is available because we live by faith, not because you try your best to stay away from sin. The faith life opens you up to live the way he desires us to live. Does that make sense? So we live by faith. Simply believe in what he says. So, so one more place, then we'll quit today. Let's go to Matthew 17. I'm sorry, Matthew 18, verse number 1. We'll stay in the book of Matthew. Matthew 18, verse 1. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus. And who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? They were always worried about this. They, don't, don't worry about being the greatest, all right? That, that just makes you think and do things you shouldn't do. Verse 2, and calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like a child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, but whoever causes one of the little ones to believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and drowned in the depth of the sea. Amen. But you got to be like a child to enter the kingdom. What does that mean? We could bring some of our kids up from children's church here. And you start asking them at these little age, what do you want to be when you grow up? They're going to say some wild stuff astronauts and firemen and professional football players and all these different things, right? How many, how many of y'all had, had something like that when you were a little kid that you're not doing right now? Anybody? Okay, that's a lot of us. Nothing wrong with that. But in other words, their imagination, they can believe anything, right? They, they can believe when they grow up, they, they'll be Buzz Lightyear. I don't know. They believe anything, Right? Because their imagination is so... But then when we mature and we grow and we get all reasonable and logical, or, you know, we put limits on possibility. we got to come in faith like little children that we can believe anything. Our imaginations open up to whatever God wants to do. you got to uncap your mind a little bit. Come to him in faith like a child. That if his word says it, you know what? I believe that's possible. I believe that can happen. Yep, you know what? 
not, not only do I think, you know what, I trust that that is going to happen. Because God said it. And because he is who he is, it carries weight to it. And because he is who he is, there's authority with it. There, you know what? That may sound crazy, but I believe it and I trust. Come to him like a child. Believe anything. Anything's possible. So, so the centurion's got a par- Who would think that a, a paralytic can jump up off a bed and have a normal life? Apparently the centurion did. And apparently he believed it. Apparently, he was crazy enough to think it was possible. Apparently, then he was bold enough to ask. Right? He was bold enough that he wasn't going to make a fool of himself to come to Jesus and ask. Well, why would he ask such a thing? He's discovering things about Jesus that, whoa, this is possible. This is absolutely possible. And he just goes for it. That's what, that's what faith is. It's simply believing Jesus at his word with the possibilities of God in front of you. Amen? So you, that, that is why I'll tell you a story. There, there was a kid um, in my first youth group in, in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. There was a kid that started showing up. He had an older brother that was, the age difference was a lot. Like the older brother was in his 40s and this kid was a teenager, so it was a big spread. And it, and uh, I, the guy came to me and said, hey, believe it or not, I'm bringing my brother to youth group Wednesday. I'm going to bring him to church. I was like, why did you say believe it or not? Like, you're setting me up here. And like, because this kid is terrible. And so he said, I'm just like, uh, okay. So what do you mean by that? He just starts telling me the story about this kid. And, and this kid uh, uh, would literally, like, like, the mom was really old. And would set rules, but he wouldn't listen. And she, she had emphysema, so she was on an a, a oxygen cart. So he would literally, like, she would stand in front of the door so he wouldn't leave. When he, and he would literally just physically manhandle her and move her and, and just did whatever he wanted to do. He was, just a, he was a jerk. So he starts telling me these things. I'm like, uh, and you're bringing him to church on Wednesday? Okay. Bring him on. His name was Andy. And um, Andy shows up. And, yeah, he came as advertised picking fights with the other boys there all the time, uh, you know, constantly hitting on the girls, and they did not want it. You know, it's just it's this constant issue to the point, this kid was an issue after a couple months that the pastor of the church came to me and said, what can we do about this kid? His reputation was going through the church, right? What can we do about this kid? I said, I have no idea. Other than I think, and I know you do, Pastor, but we just need to believe that this kid can be saved. How? I have no idea. We just believe. And I'll never forget, I don't know how long later it was, it, we're having youth service. <clears throat> there wasn't a visitor there at all. I know all the kids that are there. Service is ending. And I thought, I'm going to do an altar call. I'm just going to do it. I, no, nobody knew is here, so I'm probably just going to throw this out. No response. But I did this altar call. And uh, I'm ready to close it up and just say, okay, well, I'm, you know, whatever. We'll see you next Wednesday. And, and I just see Andy come walking out, and he walked to the end of his row. And I thought, okay, Andy's leaving early. He's just going to do what he wants to do. Then he turns the corner and starts coming down front. I'm like, uh, oh, 
uh, what's happening here? You know, and then, then he turns the corner and comes down and stands in front of me. And I'm looking at him, and you should have seen all the kids, because kids know him. You see jaws drop, people start crying. I mean, it was just this amazing response, and Andy gives his life to Jesus. Now, I'll be honest with you. Because of his actions all those times, I really do not believe that there's a whole lot of people that believe that Andy would ever get saved. And did I ever doubt? Oh, yeah. You know? And Andy went on this, this, this journey, and it wasn't a very much long uh, period of time until we ended up uh, leaving to come be youth pastors at uh, the Botkins Church. So I didn't have a lot of time, with maybe about six months after he got saved. But this kid, by the end of it, you know, committed to go to the military, committed that he believed he was called to preach the gospel. You know, all these things are happening. His life is starting. Now, did Andy change right away? No. Did he still do things? You're like, dude, you shouldn't do that. Yeah, but, but he, he's starting, you know what I'm saying? He's starting. To, but, it, but it's all because that anything is possible, you know? In the simplicity of our salvation, to that simplicity of, of following Jesus and, and, and believing what he has said is true and will happen and you can live by it, you know? Uh, the very last Sunday... I was there, and um, uh, um, my, la- my last service, I, I preached the Sunday morning service. And um, afterwards, you know, everybody's saying bye. We're, we're moving. And I did not see Andy. I'm just like, where is Andy at? It's my last day. Why didn't he come to church? And his mom come walking down the aisle, and she, she knows she's walking with her oxygen cart. And uh, I was like, hey, where is Andy at? He said, you know, she said, he didn't want to come today because he just didn't want to see people, see him cry. I was just like. You're kidding me. And he, she gave me this little, it was like, uh, you would find it at a craft store, like a little angel that you make, like craft store, like at Christmas time, you know. And she gave me, and she said, he made this for you, just just let you know that he appreciated you. So after all these years, that was 20-some years ago, I still keep that angel on my desk. Say in the drawer down here. Because every once in a while I pull it out and say, Anything is possible. We will not give up. We'll not stop. We'll keep going because anything is possible. Because if that redhead, he was, a, he was a carrot top, redhead fire, I mean, his attitude matched it. You know, if, if Andy can get saved, that was my first venture in ministry to say, if Andy can get saved, anything is possible. You know, can we live by that the, the simplicity of belief? active belief and trusting anything is possible. Amen? All right, let's pray. Lord, I thank you because you are God. And we want to live in you and by you and for you, and that takes our faith. That takes our belief and our trust. And before we talk about faith any further in this series, we just want to start with the fact that you said great faith is simply just believing in your word. And we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, uh, strip away what makes all this stuff complicated and hard. We just are going to believe. Whatever you are up to, whatever you're doing in, in, in you yourself, we simply believe and we trust. And we're going to live by faith.
Not by what we see, not by what we hear, not by the mess of life, but we're going to live by faith in you, that you're up to something, and you're bringing us in on it. So we worship you today, and we praise you today, for you are God, and there is no other. In Jesus' name, we all say amen. All right, well, thank you for being here. Today, Wednesday night, dealing with struggle and talk about doubt, but have a wonderful, wonderful 4th of July celebration today. We love y'all. We'll see you Wednesday.